Welcome to a Curious Yogi podcast. I'm your host, Bobby, and these are my conversations with sadhaks, satsangis, and other spiritual seekers. Join us as we discuss and discover what it means to live a spiritual life and walk the yogi's path. Each week, you'll gain insights into your own practice as we share the stories and wisdom of those that walk the path with us. I'm so delighted you're here. Now let's get curious. Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to a Curious Yogi's rendition of Good Company. A wise being once said you'd be better off a deer in the forest dying of thirst than in the company of those who don't love and appreciate you. And in that vein, I'm here with my hype women, my satsang sisters who always show up and serve me with that sweet water of wisdom when I'm lost in the thirst of the mind. You all know it, those rare friends that pull you back home. Well, that's what this good company is here for. My girl Devin is coming to us from sunny California where she guides virtual meditations to students might I add lucky students, around the world and is one of the most powerful, kind-hearted, divine Davies I know. She is a real Shakti. And Sarah, she's my Upa guru. If you know what that means, great. If not, it means she's basically my best friend forever. And Sarah's an art director and creative extraordinaire who's been living the modern-day yogi's life in India for more than 10 years. Literally my life inspiration. Us three ladies of freedoms, as we so freely call ourselves, connected so deeply and sincerely at an ashram in the Himalayas of India, where we all defined our spiritual paths. And we've got a lot to say on the topic, as we all live it daily in one way or another. So today we're going to wrap on what it means to be a yogi, where we get stuck, and how to get unstuck. So, Yoginis, welcome, and thanks for being here with me, as always. Thank you yeah, so much. Why don't we just start with a quick hello, who are you? Say hello to our future listeners. Why don't you go first, Dev? Okay, sure. Um, every Anytime anyone asks me, who are you, I'm just, it like stops my mind. I'm like, wow, that's a deep question. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> for for today's purposes, uh, my name's Devin, and gosh, I feel like I've been a lifelong seeker. Um, just a curious child. I used to talk, talk to sun and mountains, and I used to write poems in, in the forest behind my house. I was just like a really sensitive kid, uh, raised Catholic, but didn't it didn't stick, and was just super curious about. Um, what God was and my relationship to that and sort of just asked too many questions for the nuns and made everybody uncomfortable, including my parents and, and just, you know, couldn't really find answers that satisfied me in the world. So when I was in my early twenties, I was already in the, in the throes of the discomfort of uh, the world and my ego and, and seeing patterns that didn't work. So I started practicing yoga. And it was through the practice of Vyasana, actually, that um, I discovered in Shavasana, which is still my favorite pose, uh, <laughs> that, you know, there was this state of like, my mind would stop, and I would be there. And I didn't know what that was. And I really loved it. And so that year, I started meditating um, to seek more of that space, and meditated for about 10 years before I met our teacher, in India through grace. Well, I think that's what we've got to call it because I didn't know I was headed there. Yeah. And it just, uh, it just blindsided me and I just knew, oh my gosh, I've been, this is what I've been looking for my whole life and just uh, packed a couple bags and moved back to the ashram where I met the, the two of you and spent four years there. And then since got back to, uh, got back to North America in 2017 after our teacher, shortly after he left his body. And uh, so I was like, I guess that chapter in India is done. And since then I've been, um, I found myself just teaching. It, it came organically because 
I couldn't shut up about the knowledge <laughs> yeah. that I had behind When you him. love the space, <laughs> you love the space. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it just kind of grew into like more people wanting to listen and, and, and hold space with me. So it's been, uh, it's been a blessing. I'm just really grateful to be talking about what I love each and every day. Beautiful. So, I think that's one of the things that I remember from like when I first met you in India, like, hmm. like just a strong personality, but more so than the personality, <laughs> a strong being that's like so obsessed and in love obsessed. with the space. And it's, it's, in, it's inspiring for like, you know, as a yeah. newbie coming into the zone. And but yeah, <laughs> so I love that expression. What about you, sir? Yeah, definitely, Deb. Talk about like some one-pointed attention. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like when I think back, like Devin, you just use the word seeker, mm-hmm. and it's interesting. I would have used the word when like growing up. I was an observer. I've mm-hmm. always been an observer, but I would say that I didn't question things for like a really long time. I was just like a quiet kid, like a weird arty kid. Like was always like on the fringe in ways, and like just, you know, super awkward, but, and because of that, I, I, you know, typical like moments of like being bullied and things like that. I think it really quieted my voice. So it really turned me into an observer and just like really like watching around me and just like noticing things. And I definitely like that sense of seeking. It was so not like really a part of my life for so long. I would say it was like, university like I really like I remember having this moment where like and I, I hadn't really like, I'd done some yoga classes here and there but like I saw it as like a way to like just like move my body not as like maybe a practice to like have some more depth it's like very kind of like body form at that point but there was a moment where I was in university and it was like there's so much work And like they really promoted kind of like this like hustle vibe you gotta work hard we're gonna make it feel like an agency and i was like so freaking anxious and like felt like i was like losing my mind there was like so much like self-doubt and i was like wait like the rest of my life is gonna look like this like i'm gonna graduate and go into a job and it's gonna be just like this like this is crazy like how am i gonna keep up with this But then at the same time, like also kind of like romanticizing it a bit. I'm like, okay, maybe like this is cool. Like maybe this is like what you do. Like I'll like get a cool art job and like I'll be at the office until like midnight, like working on deadlines. Okay, I guess like this is what life will be like. And so there was like both an acceptance, but also like a, can I even deal with this? Like, can I do this? But it felt like I didn't maybe have any cues of like, questioning that in a deeper way or if there was like anything else and then it wasn't until my first trip to India when I was 23 and I have been like obsessed with India in my entire life because you know my aunt lived there so she'd like bring back trinkets and as a kid I would just like look at these and they felt so otherworldly like beautiful like ornate horses and like sari material and I'd look at it and drape myself in it and be like where is this stuff from so there was like like it it was so magical to me like especially as a kid like the word magic it was like it really would transport me to like thinking of like like palaces and like this whole world and so i feel like that really like kept me and like that's what really helped me get to india was like being like rich about the place and i remember like so i arrive in india my first time and at this point like still still not seeking still not questioning and it wasn't until i was like on a train from agra to jaipur that i was handed a book called like doubts meditation and i opened it up and like the first like few sentences in it or something or like the first few pages are about how like human beings just accept that like anxiety and worry and like self-doubt is something to like live with and it's just mm-hmm. like like that there's like no way out of it and it was like the first time I remember reading it and being like wait what like this is something I don't have to accept like I don't I don't have to have this a part of my life and like literally hadn't occurred to me at that point like no one said you don't have to own this this doesn't have to be a part of you like at that point I'd been taught like coping mechanisms to like deal with this stuff but no one actually said like you don't need this and then like from there shortly after like I met our teacher and it felt like my world 
and just like awareness expanded and like all of a sudden that like seeker and like questioner got like completely awakened like I was seeing for the first time like an alternate existence like in human form and that like you didn't have to accept like so much of what the world was like telling you and that like there's a different there's a different path if you if you want it and so I feel like that was like the moment where like the questioner like got inspired and and so that like paired with the observer felt like a perfect entry into like you know the yogi life that's so cool I want to I don't think I've heard these stories before I need to hear your story, Bobby, about yeah. going to India for the first time. Well, like Sarah, this was like such an inspiration for me to come to India. Like, meanwhile, I didn't know she was living in an ashram because I also didn't even know what an ashram was, even if she told me what it was. But um, I think it's so interesting that, like, to hear both of you saying, like, you know, the idea or the concept of yoga is so, like, on the physical, which in the West, that's just, like, how it is. And for me, I came to yoga as if like you know the ashram to a spiritual life through the asana as well which like now looking back it's like you know what we learn in western yoga hot studios hot vinyasa mm. flows like it's so devoid of true yoga and um mm. yeah i also you know i heard you, the way you're expressing sarah like that that disillusionment like at some point like when i spoke to Sarah about like how I was in Australia I was super depressed I was addicted I was like drinking and partying and like my life has no meaning and like super like grand disillusionment and I just remember saying to Sarah I just want to be somewhere where I'm on the ground crying and I don't speak the language and she she's like oh you should come to India (laughs) I was like oh god no like it's so interesting Sarah that you always had this like idea of magic of India and I was like hell no I don't want to go there that place terrifies me Mm. like I was scared too yeah like but there was was. something like that, you know, once you meet the teacher, once you get on the path, you realize that was the pull. But in the moment, it's like, this doesn't even make sense how I'm going to this place. We could all probably relate to the moment when you land in Delhi and you're like, where the hell am I? This is a <laughs> shithole. <laughs> Actually, it was the opposite for me. I arrived in Delhi and like, it was like so much like chaos and I felt so comfortable like everything was so familiar and then like before i knew it i'm like going to the imperial for lunch and there's a huge indian wedding with like all the women in the saris and like the groom on the horse and it was like the music it was such a happening and like my aunt was like do you feel culture shock and like no like this feels like perfect Mm. like there was no shock at all it just felt like home in a way Nice. You must have had a past life there. That's still still <laughs> hanging around. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I, I was scared because I I knew that like even before I was aware of Swamiji, like I was scared because uh I knew that India would change me, but I didn't know mm-hmm. how. But I knew mm-hmm. that it was gonna change me forever. And so and I knew that with, with just intuitively, like without even before I met my Upa guru, like I just was like I was aware of India because I had this like um, female guru prior that I had never met and she lived there. So I so I was aware of India. My mind often went there. I thought about visiting, but I was so scared because I was like, no, you go there and you'll never be the same and you won't be able to dictate what that change is. It's going to change you in a way that you don't know. So I was so scared of it for that reason. But then when I got there and, and realized what that change was, I was like, oh yeah, I'm into this. Sign me up, obliterate, obliterate me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like, if we think of, it's so cool to hear, like even just the three of us, like, you know, just three people out of the, who knows how many millions or even how many curious yogis or spiritual seekers there are in the world that go through different faiths, through different lineages, like different religions, you know, but like, what is that thread that unites us? Like, what is that pull? It's so universal. And I think that's something that's like so magic and something that, you know, when I connected with you both, like Sarah, obviously we met before India, but meeting again in India united us like 
in a soul way that we hadn't united in that way before. And same Dev, like when I know when I met you, it's like to to meet someone that's on the path with you. It's like it brings in this connection, this like sisterhood, not even sister, because it's not on the level of sister. It's on the mm. level of oneness. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, it's a really rare relationship in the world to find that um, someone who is is walking that path of sadhana along with you and um, so essential to being you sane and motivated and supported on what is a, a steep path, really, I think. You know, sadhana is, is uh, I mean, even our teacher used to say this, it's not for the weak, it's not for mm -hmm. the faint of heart. You know, you have to be a lion heart in order to keep um, moving forward with this knowledge fearlessly and doubtlessly when every other being in the world is telling you that what you're doing is a waste of time, you know, not valuable, um, uh, imperceptibly you know, like not, not demonstrative, like as far as success in the world, um, by, by their definitions. So it does take a lot of courage and a lot of strength. And I think that when we find each other, uh, we hold on to each other for that reason, because it's, it's a rare being that, that does walk that path. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Said. yeah. Very beautiful. And, um, how would you guys, like, how would you and your experience define or, not even defined, but how would you express what it means to be a yogi? Like, you know, for me coming from the asana world, you know, it's just so perceived as a certain way. But I think, you know, for me as someone that's coming from the, the asana world, like the more Western yoga world, it's so inspiring and illuminating to be with yogis like you guys who have this totally you know you're not conforming to the concept of yogi or this you're just these totally mm -hmm. unique beings which i think it's important to celebrate well before we jump into that i feel like bobby we cut off your story do we want to like finish that up before we like move on to well, like our own yogi journey from there well we could but basically like i don't know i just feel like my journey goes like I went, got to India in the most random way, like, you know, it's neither here nor there now, but I meet the guru, I fall in love, and like, eight years go by, and I'm like, completely transformed, basically. And like, also just, I mean, we can touch on this later, but, you know, what? it's not like, you know, we meet the guru, you get on a spiritual path, or you start living this way, and then like, boom, like, my life is perfect. Mm. It's like the gunk is still there. The mind is still there. The struggle is still there. But like there's the sweetness. There's the support, like the community, the satsang, like us, you two, and the, all the other people in our community that we lean on so heavily, the teachings, the scriptures, like they're all there to serve us. But like it, it's still there. We still have to deal with the mind. We have to deal with being a human being at every step. And it's not easy. Like you said, Dev, like Swamiji said, you have to be strong. You have to be mm -hmm. steadfast. There has to be an earnestness yeah. because otherwise, like, you know, we're hooped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I know. Yeah. And it's also that it's like a practice. Like I come back to that word like often too, that like, I think there's like sometimes like a tendency to think that like practice applies to like beginning stages of things sometimes. Mm. Or like, you can do something like enough and then like good enough at it more that like you shift away from like practicing. But I feel like things like, like a, like a yogi life in a way, it's like a life of practice mm -hmm. and like that practice like deepens like continually and it like feels like it like unfolds and expands in like new ways. But it's always like a practice. Like you're kind of like always in that. And even though there's like technically nowhere to get to, like you need to practice to be able to like remember what you're uncovering and unfolding and like keep being able to connect to like the knowledge that like is uncovered and you're like, oh yeah, right, right. And so yeah. to be able yeah. to like grasp that is like a continuous practice, like, you know, forever, potentially for numerous lifetimes, maybe. Yes. Oh, I 100% agree with that. Uh, like that idea of practice in each and every moment, I, I call it vigilance, you know, mm -hmm. like it, you just have to be constantly watching 
which is why it probably serves you as, as, as an observer, right? You practice being the observer for so long as a child. I'm sure that really served you to like move on to this practice of like observing the functioning of the mind and observing the functioning of, of Sarah's emotions and her triggers and her preferences and her aversions and noticing those moments where we get stuck or entangled and then like, remembering how to free yourself in those moments too. So yeah, the, the practice, I don't think it has an end. I mean, even that was the, the beauty of watching our, our, our living teacher who our he was a master an enlightened master. And yet even his awareness seemed to be bottomless. It seemed to be continually mm-hmm. deepening, which was beautiful just to, to witness and, and see how, you know, there, there wasn't like this, finish line or this like point of arrival where you could just rest there and be like ha 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 fools <laughs> you know, like i made it like it's just like it's, it's just like yeah i think it's infinite which is sort of beautiful definitely you know, and like a, a refinement yeah yeah and you're going deeper into who you really are the nature of that self that we all are and the nature of that self is is love so you're just like you're just being, you know, embraced and, and falling deeper into love with, with this, the one self that alone is that you are, you know? So it's, it's just like the greatest love affair really that never ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. yeah. And how we, it, the, can, the, the struggle as if the struggle, the, as if problems will continue to arise only to support that unfoldment of love and how, special it is the people that are embracing a spiritual life that we have the courage to go through challenging times and know like this is not maybe not know but work to know and work to remember this is not who I am like I at my root of me at the core of me is love I am love it's all love and to work um, like amongst the fear and the duality of the world it's like yeah it's a work I remember this like quote or something I read somewhere where it said like we're practicing 24 hours a day and like it's like we're practicing either courage we're practicing at work we're practicing drinking we're practicing being a father we're practicing every single role we have or every single action we're taking in the day is practicing something so how rare is the sadhak who's practicing putting the awareness on that which isn't the external it's like but then you see it like i see it in you too how your awareness is unfolding i see it in the people around me i see it in people that are sincerely meditators and contemplators and yogis in whatever capacity you see it something in their eyes and their skin and their way their beings are like just shining Mm -hmm. out it's so Mm -hmm. inspiring and you can see that rare being you the being recognizes the being so when you Mm -hmm. see it you know it and it's like something that sparks it within Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. the recognition Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Do, do do you think that it's worth like starting from the beginning, like defining yoga, or like um, yes. what what we learned in 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 India, like what our teacher was teaching? Yeah, I think so because I bet you, I bet you, like the way that each of us will define it, yeah, will, is probably the, is probably the thing that is like the thread of like how we also define our own yogi life in a way like like I feel like how each of us like understand it is probably going to be like a reflection of like how we've then like taken it to to like direct our own practices so I think that's like a great place to start yeah why don't you start Sarah yeah okay so for me yoga I always come back to the word like union and like that's really like my main understanding of it. And I mean, it's like the literal translation of the word, like yoga union. And I know like so much of the time, like yoga often, like I'd hear it being like, oh, like, like the union of like body, breath, like soul, I'd often like hear things like that. And over time, and I would say like, it definitely took a few years of like practicing and being like in a situation of like satsang to have like any idea what was like, or like, okay, there's not, I don't want to say what was going on because 
like there was definitely like understandings, but like there was no words to be able to like fully even express. So like the word like yoga would be thrown around in like union and I'd like be like, okay, like I'm applying my like concepts and ideas of like what I think the word union means. And I try and like work with that. And it took like numerous years to like uncover enough awareness. I feel like to actually have like a true understanding of what union was. And so to me, it's yeah, being like unified with that, like original state of being that we are, that is kind of like permeates the entire world and like everything that's seen and unseen, like the creation and all the way it changes and doesn't change. And, and all of that, like that for me is like the union that we're like, that, that is, that's the practice. That's what I'm always trying to come back to. And, and I mean, it's funny to use the word even like come back to, because like, then you uncover that it's like the, the only type of union where actually you don't really need to like re really reunify with it. Like Mm -hmm. it's just what you are always like, so there's nothing, there's no coming back to it because if it is what it is always, it's more for me. I've seen like my practice and understanding it's, I just need to keep remembering. I keep like, Mm. sometimes I have like these moments where like, I often use the term to Zach, I feel so far from myself, which is like such a funny thing to say in a way, but like, (laughs) it feels so real. And I know people can relate to that at times. Like you just like, will find yourself and maybe like a really mindy or confused situation. You're like, I feel so far to myself. And and it's so funny because like the practice, like you close your eyes and like after like there enough years are. of like yeah. meditating, like there you are, like yeah. you, you can't be far from yourself. Like if there's no where to even be far from. Mm-hmm. And so for me, like being a yogi is, and like the yogic life and the practice is to always just remember that there's nowhere to get to. There's nowhere you can be far from. You're always just there with yourself. You just have to keep like remembering that. And for me, it's like a constant, just like, remember where you are, like, remember who you are, remember what you are, remember that, like, you can never be lost from yourself. You can never be far They're Like close your eyes and like everything that you need to know or be reminded of is, is just, it's right there. Like, it's like easier than getting up to get a glass of water in a way, like, like all you have to do is like kind of just like close your eyes and like like tune like inward don't you don't you find it interesting though like it's it's as easy as getting up and getting a glass of water but sometimes i know like when i'm stuck in my mind like it's hard to get there sometimes you know like oh yeah (laughs) like i know like i feel like okay fine me now compared to like me even five years ago, like it's slightly easier to like get up and reach my hand for the water, which is like the sweetness of meditation. But like, sometimes it's, it's hard. Like even for those that have practiced, you know, for 10 years, however many years, like the mind can grip. That's why like the sadhana and the yoga is so sacred to me. Like, you know, it's kind of a cliche. You see like yoga teachers saying, yoga saved my life. I'm like, but yoga really did save my life. But, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but actually not yoga, like yoga, Western yoga led me to, Mm. I guess, come to India where I met our teacher and I actually began to uncover like, what is true yoga? It's not yoga, yoga, like, you know, and Mm. it's just so, it's really, I mean, it is all one, like you said, Sarah, like it's, it's never separate like you know what we it's all one it is all one unified reality but to come to India and to sit at the feet of a guru and to read the scriptures and to like start to understand like what is meant by yoga by that unified state who is the yogi the one who is united united with what we're united with Mm -hmm. our own self we're united with god united with life universe whatever words we put with it so it does get misconstrued and i know like people have come to me and said like oh i'd love to do yoga with you but i can't touch my toes or like whatever (laughs) like oh no people have got it really mixed up (laughs) you know like you know, you see our teacher, he sat on his chair doing yoga with his eyes closed, 
like like you said, Deb, that unlimited, that bountiless knowledge flowing mm -hmm. out till he was 94. You know, mm -hmm. like it's so beyond the body. And I think for me as someone that gets stuck in my body, I get stuck in my mind, I get stuck in duality. Coming to yoga is such a grace in my life that it's the one thing that like brings me home. And I'm so like, ugh. It's like the yeah, it is the drink of water. It's like at the beginning when I said the deer in the forest dying of thirst. Like yeah. what is it that quenches our thirst? It's that set, that truth that like we just soak it up just by it, being together and talking about it. It's like it's, we recognize it. I love the way I love what's already been said. Like I often describe meditation as a self remembering or a resting in self consciously. Mm, nice you know, so it's like, like we're not doing meditation, right? Because the efforts of the individual cease when we decide to sit down in stillness and close our eyes and disengage from our senses and our thoughts and like basically hand, hand over the wheel to the Supreme, <laughs> you know, and say, uh, I've let go totally like, and, and, and just trusting that, you know, like that's, meditation is it's not avoidance it's immersion mm -hmm. and again i think that's why it takes courage because it's very scary for a lot of people to turn completely inward and face every single thought and every single feeling and every single sensation or emotion they're feeling in their body without looking mm -hmm. away without trying to fix it or improve it without trying to um you know use a coping mechanism or a numbing behavior but just be with that it's it's hard work. And, and, and it's so funny to me when, you know, the neo-advaitists say, um, well, we're already that, so there's no work to be done. And it just makes me laugh out loud because I'm like, oh, wow, like that must be nice. But I also don't believe it because I'm like, no, the, the Purushart, the rightful efforts, like efforts, like you said, Sarah, it's a constant lifelong minute to minute practice. Like every single second you're, you're watching the areas of, of stuckness of, 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 you know, the, the, the residue of, of the sticky ego that, you know, that doesn't want to release. Um, and, and like every moment life is where for me anyway, since leaving India, this is where the rubber hits the road. Like this is where every moment becomes an extension of my sadhana. Every moment is a moment of meditation and that it's applied practice. It's a moment, just as you said, of, of remembering doubtlessly, this is not what it seems to be. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it's kind of like being a lucid dreamer and like, you know, saying to, like trying to not get lost in the dream and continually just remind yourself, oh yeah, I'm dreaming. I'm still dreaming. I'm still dreaming. Even when, even when it becomes so overwhelming or compelling or exciting or whatever it might be, you know, um, trying to keep that that uh, alertness, you know, keep, keep your mind and your awareness anchored in what is real in each and every moment when, when the Maya or the illusion is so compelling and so beautifully crafted, you know, to, to, to suck in, suck you in through your senses and your mind and your body and your emotions. So it's like this, it requires that constant vigilance and it's, it's a, it, I mean, it's a beautiful, um, task that we've that we've taken on it's it's very worthwhile but yeah no end in sight <laughs> no end in yeah. sight every every moment it's like oh yeah and you know like and just appreciating those moments where we do get stuck like mm -hmm. like 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 and the people who i i sometimes say like some people are like the the thumb of god in your eye like the people who like <laughs> you're like ow you know and you're just like like why but like but it's like thank you for those people thank you for those situations that trigger me because it, it's revealing to me where i still have work to do where i'm still stuck where i'm still making myself small as an individual as as thinking i'm just a human being um when I'm not, you know, so it's like, there's this story of a monk who's uh, meditating in a boat and uh, on a lake. So he's just floating and um, he's, he's meditating peacefully in Samadhi. And all of a sudden he gets hit by another boat and he feels a rush of anger 
of just rage surge through him because he knows what he's doing is, is noble and this person is careless and how dare they. And he opens his eyes to yell and he sees that it's, it's just a boat is loose. That's just loaded to him and bumped him, you know? And so the beauty of that parable is that nothing can arise that isn't already within you. It just requires something acting upon you to bring it out. So it's like, if someone pisses me off, that means there was anger inside of me, right? Like, like, and and they're bringing it out and God bless them for bringing it out of me because, and revealing that, that, that was still stuck. Right. And that I still, I need to look at that. I don't need to blame them. I need to do the work on me. So like just, and life provides infinite opportunities Mm -hmm. for us to keep doing the work of sadhana. And so um, it never ends. It's kind of this beautiful, mm-hmm. infinite process. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that I found so comforting when I came to sadhana and really like started to embark on doing the work was that like my problems are so not unique. Like, <laughs> you know, we yeah. get a sense like, uh, like, oh, I'm such a you know, my life is so important and my problems are so in, you know, but, but me, but, you know, but I really struggle, but like, actually, you know, like you, just what you had said before, Dev, like about smallness, like that's my like Achilles heel. I always feel so mm-hmm. small and, and like, and it just kind of, it comes up again and again and like in different aspects, you know, but and then once I like realized okay, like, that's not me, like, feeling small. That's actually just the nature of the mind and the ego trying to, like, keep me alive or, like, keep me, like, in this little tiny bubble. And I found it so comforting, and I find it comforting again and again as I, like, meet with yoga clients or friends, and, you know, like, we can relate to each other's problems of the mind because it's not unique, and it is, like you said, Deva, um, a beautiful creation. Like, it is God's creation, this life, and... So when the thumb is in the eye, I like to remember that that's God and it's all for my evolution, for my expansion. Yeah. It's, oh, it's, it makes it a little softer. Like stuff still sucks sometimes, but it sucks oh, a little yeah. less when you know it's God's thumb, not like some, yeah. some jerk <laughs> exactly. next to you or something. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. And I think like, I think also like the magic of the practice and things to remember is as long as you can, like, if you even have, like, the awareness of, like, partially, like, why it sucks, like, that is also part of the practice, I think. I think sometimes, like, I know for myself when I'm feeling stuck or, like, using the word, like, far away from my practice and maybe I'm not meditating as much, you can feel that, oh, because I'm not doing these things, I'm no longer a yogi, you know? Like, you know, a a yogi life has to, I have to, I should be doing all of these things, but I feel like as long as you can remain where, being like, this situation sucks, or I'm feeling annoyed because of like the conditioning that I'm taking on, or, or because of like the situation, and I know it's just like imprinted on my mind, and I'm struggling because of this. Like, if you can be like aware in that, and not just go complete, like if you go completely to the victim and think like, oh, I'm just this poor human being in this world and all of this stuff is happening to me. Like, why is it all against me? And you just like trapped in that storyline. That's what I would say when you stop practicing, like there's a difference between like, oh, woe is me. It's all happening to me versus like, oh, I'm feeling trapped because like the mechanism of my mind is to make me so doubtful that I like am forgetting my own divinity and like I'm having a hard time trying to sit through this as I like wait for that moment of like, aha, where like some part of like satsang or or something is just going to come and it's going to, you know, dispel the cloud cover that's come in front of me. And so I think that like we can at least maybe really hard on myself sometimes of like, you know, what is yogi life versus not. And I think that, yeah, like it's just assume sometimes that like, you must be doing a certain number of like, you know, meditation or like reading scriptures or like doing yoga, this and that, where I think like so much of it is about, can you hold your awareness throughout the moment, no matter like what's going on? And like, if you don't meditate, but you can still like, like apply like some awareness to like, just understand like why something might be happening and not to see yourself as a victim, like that's still being like a proper yogi, I think. Oh, yeah. And actually, I think that's a really important point because 
um, in those moments of, of, uh, mind, we'll just call it mind. Cause that's yeah. really what it yeah. is, isn't it? Like that's in those moments, I know what my work is and my work is to anchor myself in the truth. So like, for me, that's when I do use the tool of meditation above, yeah. uh, above anything else. Um, even though I do, you know, physical asana, or I do read the scriptures a lot, but it's like in that moment, I need to prove to myself what is real and what is unreal. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. in order, and when you, you know, even to dispel that sense of, um, which I think is a great mindset, like this isn't happening to me, things are just happening. Right. And I have a choice as to how I, like, uh, how I make the meaning or how I react. But, but even beyond that, like, let's set ourselves free from the happening. Like nice, let's yeah. sit and meditate, let's sit in meditation and remember that actually nothing ever happens to the being that, 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 and prove to ourselves to get to that doubtless knowledge that, you know, the, the you that is there in meditation, that is pure awareness and pure existence and pure bliss, that you is perfection pristine, absolutely unbroken peace in each and every moment. So when you're feeling most overwhelmed or chaotic or emotional, just sit and close your eyes and fall back to the space of the knower or the observer. So you can start to realize, oh yeah, I'm not my state of mind. I'm the knower of it. I'm not my emotions. I'm the witness of them. And the nature of this witness is is pure, free, forever, absolutely unchanging, ever present, aware existence. It can never it can never even have a ripple <laughs> within it, right? It's it's rock steady. And when I when I rest my identity there, mm. then it doesn't matter what happens mm-hmm. to my body or my mind or my circumstances or my emotions. And like to me, that is the only cure, you know, for the suffering that that can be existence on in, in a human body, you know, um, for me personally, like the reason I was a, a seeker all of my life is because I was not satisfied with the world as it was presented to me, which was a huge problem, right? Cause you see 7 billion people being like, this works, this is great. And you're like, what's wrong with me? Cause this feels weird. Like, I don't know why we're spending our lives just accumulating money, which we can't take with us. Like, how is that? How does that make any sense at all? Like, what's the purpose of being alive? What's the purpose of being in a human incarnation, which is so beautiful and rare and unique from any other incarnation on the planet in that we have the capacity to question, why am I here? What is my purpose? Other animals don't do that, that we know of, you know, they seem very content to just be, they are very in the present, I would say they're very present, absolutely. And in harmony with what is, but they don't have that blessing slash curse of self-reflection and self-questioning that we do. And I think that rare gift is, you know, it's, it's the cause of, of, um, our potential freedom, our enlightenment, but it's also sort of the source of our suffering if we don't have an answer. So just, just proving to yourself that, you know, I'm not going to find it looking outwards, that, mm-hmm. that the, the source of my fulfillment, my happiness and my safety is never going to be found with my eyes open looking out. It's never going to be found in another person or in a perfect job or in a situation that I, I, I cultivate that, that can never change because that's not possible. The field of change is change, right? It's always changing. So it's like, I think the reason that, you know, the the deer is thirsty (laughs) is that the deer is wandering in the world. And, and there is no sort of that, that refreshing, like you said, Bobby, like the nectar or the, or the, the, um, you know, the water is the gyan or the water is the meditation that you, that you take in to uh, quench that thirst from wandering in the desert of like the the kind of dry world that, that can't, can't tell you, you are deathless, you know, because that's not reflected in the world. That's not taught in the world. In fact, the opposite seems true. So again, like we're kind of the weirdos or the outliers because we're practicing this knowledge that 
billions of people would say, well, you're clearly wrong. <laughs> you know, like, if I, I could stab you right now and you die and you're like, yeah, but I wouldn't, my body would stop working, but like I wouldn't be destroyed. And I love that, you know, Swamiji used to have us um, chant every day. Y'all remember the seven Gita verses? Mm -hmm. Like uh, I am that which can never be, can never be cut by weapons. I am that which can never be burnt by fire. I am that which can never made wet by water. I am that which can never be blown by the wind. I am that which can never be harmed by words. Like I am free from all of it. And that's like, oh, that's such a sweet place to rest when you can touch that in your meditation. Definitely. I want to, it's funny, like as you were talking and like, I agree with you, like the knowledge is not like in the world in, in a big sense, but it is in good company, which is also why I love the name of this episode because I love your practice and like your like I love your yogi practice like you're so unpointed and you're I really like you're I'm really inspired by it and that you can just like lean so easily into meditation and blast through things that are stuck for me I find that when I feel stuck what often helps is I've like arrived at a place where I'm like feeling like doubtful of my greatness and that like I can meditate but it's it's funny and and I'll, and I'll meditate but is often what like helps to get me unstuck is good company is like mm -hmm. sometimes when I like can't like access, even though I know there's like nothing really that you have to access. I love the reflection from others that I know, know the truth that I do. And yeah. so like yeah. engaging in like satsang or like, you know, being able to like talk it like helps to like dispel the cloud cover. And like all of a sudden I'm able to like, like when I have friends and, and the people that are like practicing in there in moments where it's so clear to them and it's like all of a sudden I can see like myself reflected back in yeah, it. And it's like yeah. often like conversation and well, and just that saying, cause that thing's like a, a level above conversation cause it's just like truth. So like the minute I engage kind of in that saying like that is like the thing that helps call me home so that when I do then like sit down to meditate, like, yeah, it's so much like clear, you know, for, for so for me, like, for it's, sure, so it's, I love, sure. I love how like we find our, our way through the sickness and how it like looks so different. So yeah, for me, it's like so much of it is it like talking to my, my satsangis and my good company having that reflection. So Bobby, I'm curious, like, what do you like really lean on when you're, when you're stuck? Well, I think it's so interesting and amazing. Like, you know, like you said, Dev, that everything in the um the field of the world is changing and that includes our sadhana you know like the mm -hmm. thread of the sadhana yes. the root of the sadhana the anchor of the sadhana is the same it's the desire for freedom it's the jigyasyo but it's it can change like sometimes i'm so steadfast in my like you know actually like probably too steadfast in like like a militant of my like morning practice where I do my meditation, I read my scripture, I do my highlighting, I do my pranayama, I do my asana, like <laughs> take it easy girl. Like, you know, and then sometimes like you just lay on the floor and you meditate in Shavasana. Yeah. Like, or, and, it, mm -hmm. and, it, and that is the beauty of it. Or sometimes I need to call a satsangi and not a friend that's so bound in the world because I need a friend that's going to kind of like give you like the ego bitch slap and be like get it together <laughs> like the one that doesn't stand for your mind like that's good company mm -hmm. before good company yeah. to me used to be the one who would validate my mind and say mm -hmm. oh poor mm -hmm. you like i must you must feel so bad like now i stay the heck away from that and i call my satsangis mm -hmm. and those that are saying like that smallness is not you like the greatness is you and you see mm -hmm. it reflected like you said sarah and, and that also, so it can be like anything. And also Swamiji would say like, whatever path you take, just take it because it all leads yeah. to that source. So when we have the, like the, the steadfastness and like the heart and the intention is there and it's pure and it's really for freedom, then I think whatever we go to get there, like that makes you the yogi or the one that desires total mm -hmm. peace and unity, which it's also like it's like a relief to know that there is no right or wrong like because when we're in that mm -hmm. state of non-duality 
right or wrong isn't there. So we just know, we just keep taking action. We surrender the action to God and we just keep moving. Like the last verse of the Gita, I've just been thinking about so much because Arjun says to Krishna, you know, I've got it. You've been, you've showered me with your knowledge and I have it. And now I'm going to do your, obviously I'm paraphrasing. (laughs) I'm going to do your bidding. And it's like, and in that way, it's like, yeah, we just keep moving. We know it's, it's not, my mind can never create or imagine life in the way that God or your universe is going to create it. Like, so just trust that and just keep taking Mm. the action. And like, thank goodness for good company that we can talk about it because it makes us all so delightful because we're just talking about our own self, which is pretty amazing and magical. I love that you find good company, like a few few moments ago, yeah, like the, like the one, like the, the people that don't like, you know, tolerate the mind, because I think that mm-hmm. is like so essential in like any kind of like yogi practice and, and life is that, you, yeah, you need those people that are not going to like indulge and like let the mind be like come big and like think it's like so in charge and like so powerful because it's not. But if you believe that it is. Like it's so, it's so easy to get like distracted and, and to, to be pulled away. And so, yeah, like the good company is, is company that not let, um, get away with that. And like Devin, you've always been <laughs> so good at that, especially for me. I'll come to you. I'll be like, come on, like validate what I'm going through and, and you don't stand for it. And I love it. And yeah. Oh, thanks. I really love what you said, Bobby, about, um, like my mind can't can't possibly imagine um on the level of god's imagination or like god's god's Mm -hmm. intentions for me are so much greater and grander than i could ever imagine for myself and so it made me think of like the role of trust and faith in the practice too and just like um and that's a tough part i mean for Mm -hmm. me personally like just like as someone who used to be very like anxious type a controlling like um uh, surrendering and, and trusting and to 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 something that is that can't be seen with my eyes or known with my mind but can be perceived directly like in the space of my heart like and trusting the power of that in the world to navigate my way and successfully and supportively like it's been a real deep practice for me, especially over the last couple of years um, during COVID and the pandemic and all the challenges that came with that. So do you all want to talk a bit about the role of trust and faith in your practice? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd love that's a good to. Thing to Actually, mm-hmm. I was just saying to someone today that like this time that I've been in India on this trip, like the word Shraddha was, has come up Shraddha, so much, which is yeah. faith. And like when I first got here this trip, I was so bound in my mind and my concepts about something or other that was rubbing me. And a friend said, like, you have you your practice is to have conviction. And I really thought about like, what is conviction, conviction for space? Is this actually faith? And to have faith, we need to know what we're having faith in and to to have the practice of meditation where we can dip into that space, which I have full faith that if I close my eyes and meditate, like something's going to, whether it's big or small or trans, um, transcendental, maybe not, but something Mm -hmm. sweet is going to be there for me and having Mm -hmm. that faith. So I think for me, like the faith has been big and just like a major work these last months. So it's interesting too. It's also interesting when you're like working through something or working on something, it just keeps coming into your sphere. It keeps coming into the conversation Mm -hmm. again and again. And you know, it's that little, like, it's just life, like nurturing us along. Like you got this, like I'm giving you all the clues. Like (laughs) just, just, you know, we just got to open the mind. We got to just let it go a little bit. And it's, I was saying this to Sarah, I've been saying this on my social media. I've been saying like little by little, it's like my practice Mm -hmm. right now. And and having the faith and the trust that little by little, I'm on the journey. Like, I'm not going to be this perfect person tomorrow because the perfect person doesn't exist because perfection yeah. is not on that level. Exactly. So it's like when you have the faith, it, it makes it like a little easier because life is can be so hard. So it's mm-hmm. a real gift to have that. 
Yeah. What about you, Sarah? Yeah, it's funny. Like, again, like, yeah, trust and faith. It's like such a big, a big thing for me, I think. Like, I'm such like a natural creator, like in terms of like literally like physical objects that sometimes like I, I can like see myself create something. And because of that, I can often like, I just assume because I'm so good at doing that, I can as if like do that with like my life sometime and I can like channel too much energy, like thinking that like I'm the one that is going to like create like the next outcome. And especially like as business owner where my business, then, like it's sometimes I like, create a lot of duality thinking like I've got a business life in my yogi practice where it's all the yogi practice. But I see that the minute I think that I can as if like create something or I can like push in a way I get like so divided that like waves of like doubt and like confusion come and it just like feels like it like almost starts to drown me and that but then I look back at like so many points in my life and there were so many moments where like and it often it has to do with like money and I think that's where so much like that's a lot of like thing I have to work through but you know especially in like my early days Zach and I we'd like be looking at our bank account. We hadn't had projects and like, we're like, Oh God, like, what are we going to do? And like something would always come and like, we were always taken care of. And so it's like, I look back and like, there was never, never a moment where like, I wasn't taken care of, you know, like things are always fine, but like, yet, yet I still like so easily can like sometimes like slip into these situations of like, Oh no, like, like what 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 about this time like surely even though i have like a, a like a 10 for 10 almost like history of like things working out exactly when it needed to to support me like i just keep thinking like oh next time is going to be the time it won't next time is right. going to be the time it won't which is so ridiculous and so i see that like for me like i feel like my especially like as part of my lifelong practice and the thing that like is going to be probably the theme throughout all of it is like like cultivating that that trust and faith and like remembering that like those moments where I put it all all the eggs in that basket as if and like channeled all the energy there like it blasted through any confusion I had or doubt or like and things are just gonna like keep unfolding in whatever way and so for me it's it's something I really struggle with but I see is like the key to to everything really it's like because if you can have that trust and you have that faith and like it gets rid of any sense that anything needs to be done you know and and like the doership or or that like you might act in a right or wrong way like it totally like eliminates that and i feel like it's so easy to get trapped in there like if i do this and this might happen or it might not happen and like the minute you let your mind go there it's it's gonna spiral and it's like you know you can really get get distracted but like as long as you have like trust and faith like it takes away any of that power and so it's yeah that's where I I feel like often I struggle the most with and it's definitely the thing I have to remember to like lean into the most is like when that comes up with like that's where so much of my practice needs to be I think I I think this trust and faith is a perfect point for us to touch on the trust and faith which we've had in our creation that it's pretty mm. exciting to share. Um, our upcoming retreat in September, the three of us ladies of freedom have put our trust and faith into our connection. We put our trust and our faith into our shared sadhana to make a really special offering. So um, I'd love for you guys and me, obviously, to share about our <laughs> upcoming self-reunion retreat, like what it is and who's invited and all the details. You want to kick it off, Sarah? Sure. So for start, we're, we're calling it the self-reunion um, and self with like, you know, a capital, a capital S because mm -hmm. it's all about you know, remind you that there's nowhere to get back to. You're already that. And so if you've forgotten it, or maybe someone hasn't quite given you that information, we're going to share the practices that just like remind you and help like, you know, reunite with that self that is just there to support you and to unfold just like a world of 
bliss really and and everything that your mind like we were saying is not capable of thinking like that is all within you and so we're going to come together and share the practices that we've each used to be able to access that space within us and I say pretty much anyone is welcome those that are seeking but people that are yeah like genuine and, and want to share in that and who are open to come and to to sit with that discovery because i say there has to be an openness of the heart really to and so if you have an open heart then you're most welcome and maybe deb you want to want to take it from there Oh, sure. I mean, well, you didn't speak about what your offering is in the Oh, okay. Right. Yeah. So I will be and it uh, kind of bringing in in the for that what I call self care practices and, and rituals and the things that I've done and I've cultivated over the years that make me and help to remind me the divinity that is within and when I'm feeling small, the, the practices that I call upon to just remind me that I'm as vast as the universe. Yeah. Beautiful. Thanks. Um, yeah. So I, I, meditation, that's my jam. So I'm, I'm bringing, <laughs> I'm bringing meditation, but, uh, I'm bringing gyan. So satsang obviously. Um, but I also want to, what's really important to me right now in this retreat, this is our first retreat together and I'm super excited, but, but in the sense of connection and community, I I want there to be um, a return to ritual. And I don't mean mm. that in like a witchy way, but I mean it yeah. in a sacred way. I mean it in a way that is deeply intentional and um, uh, creates a sense of containment where there is safety to release. And I think that that's something that we're missing um, as, as a tribe of human beings i think we're missing and aching for the safety of that space of ritual where we can safely open our hearts and um, our voices uh to reunite with with the one that is so i'm i'm really curious about bringing in some of the beautiful aspects of ritual that we uh, learned in india like the havens the fire ceremonies and um teaching some chants and and getting people comfortable with uh you know, raising their voices to God and just like um, getting us out of our heads and back into our hearts um, through meditation, through um, speaking questions and answers through uh, these practices that we'll do together communally. So um, yeah, there's no form of meditation that I'm not sort of steeped in. And so I guess like I'm not, I'm not holding myself to one approach um mm -hmm. i i like to do a a, a mixtape of a best hits of meditation tools <laughs> <laughs> and techniques <laughs> so there, there can be a lot in there you know i breath work and mantra and metta loving kindness and gratitude practices and compassion practices and um you know basic mindfulness i'll, I'll use anything as a tool that uh, helps meet people where they're at and um guide them to where they want to be so i'm really excited for it beautiful i was just thinking you're like your dj name could be divine hits from dj divya davy <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah i love that. yeah that's that's gonna be my that's my yeah my podcast name <laughs> yeah i i'm so excited for this happening obviously to be reunited with you two who you know we haven't been together the three of us since 2017 since our teacher left mm -hmm. so it's gonna be a totally a magical happening just to have us all together again and to bring our um, love of the space our love of community our love of satsang to people I'm so excited I get to share Hatha Yoga with all the all the yogis it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 76 i love that part about the physical aspect of yoga that we can allow ourselves some embodied sense of what's going on in the mind because like even in the scriptures sometimes it says there where there there is no difference between body and mind it's so connected mm. so it's something that I love working with in my own life and also pranayama is a huge part of my practice. So I'm so excited to share those. And 
Also something I'm working on and inspired to share, and I know you both are as well, is leaving people with the tools and the techniques, kind of like a a daily self-practice toolkit that like they can pull on, like on those days Mm -hmm. when like, I don't want to do my asana, then they have a self-care practice. And and today I I actually can't sit in this loving kindness meditation because I don't love anybody. (laughs) And then to have a different (laughs) practice of meditation, like those tools are so valuable, I know, to all of us. And we all have this unique, you know, we just spent the last hour talking about how unique our perceptions are, how unique our practices are, and to bring that all together into a melting pot and to offer it out is just so so exciting and I'm so excited that we're going to have amazing plant-based food from an incredible chef from Vancouver Island. We're going to be in the beautiful sunshine coast of British Columbia by the ocean. It's just going to be four days of pure magic. So I just really invite anybody who's listening to this to check out our website. It's theselfreunion.com slash retreat and just drop us a line we're just we're here to share to talk you know to answer any questions and i'm just really excited and honored to be presenting this with both of you so thank you and um yeah go ahead sarah i was just gonna say i just want to like draw on what you were saying bobby about like the practices. And I would say that actually that's a beautiful way to like sum up the retreat that I think the best yogi practice is one that's your own, where you've like been able to kind of like see how you, how, how your mind works and all this and that, and to, to cultivate things that like help you remember. And so I like that, like, yeah, that's what the retreat is. Like, these are all the different ways that you can practice now, like take those and make it your own, like, Mm -hmm. so that you can kind of like come back to yourself, like every moment of every day. Yeah. Perfect. And that totally sums up like what it means to be a yogi. It means whatever it means to you. And that's, I think, what we'll embody in the retreat. And that's what people will take away from the retreat. So I just really want to thank you both. I'll put in the show notes, your websites, your contact information. Obviously, you know, we're the hype women and I'm here to hype you up just like <laughs> you guys hype me up. So I'll leave everything in the show notes and um, I just really love you both and your inspirations in my life and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for listening to this episode of A Curious Yogi Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave a review on iTunes. It really, really helps the show reach more people. Or share on social And of course, follow on your favorite podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode. I appreciate the love and I appreciate you. Let's stay curious, connected, and keep walking the yogi's path together. In oneness and delight, this is Bobby signing off until next time.